0: Well, let's go and get rolling. Today, we have said this, is Vision Sunday. We are talking Vision today, all right? Before we jump in there, quick question, survey. How many of you are dog people? How many dog people? Okay. How many of you are cat people? Actually, we don't really care about cats, so never mind. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Nancy is the biggest cat lady I've ever met in my life. How many saw her Christmas sweater? There was literally just a cat wearing a Santa hat. That was her Christmas sweater. Okay. Okay. Okay, I'm not really, I'm not like a big animal people, sorry, you all. Know, I give booze or I said, like I'm not a big dog person, you know, whatever. But this last year, uh, we had somebody, a, a relationship of ours who, uh, you know, was just in a transition and we opened our home and said they could come stay with us for a while. And during that time, about a day in this, Amber and I looked at us and realized, oh wait, they have a dog. <laughs> and so we had a dog that lived with us for six months and I'm not really a big dog guy. Here's a picture, if you got, pull up the picture of the dog, this is the little dog. Not the, that's my daughter, okay? The the, the dog is what she's holding, okay? Okay, there's the dog. It's a cute little dog. You look at that little dog. That little dog peed all over my basement, okay? So, it's not as cute as he looks, but there's something that I learned. Because I'm not a dog guy, I didn't grow up with dogs. And here's this this dog, little Bentley, and and what would happen is if if Bentley saw a door open anywhere in the house, Bentley was gone, okay? And we didn't have a fence, so you would spend the next 30 minutes trying to chase Bentley around, around the yard. And the same thing sometimes will happen if you put them on a leash. You know, if you're a dog, you know what I'm talking about. You put a dog on a leash. If they don't want to go where you want to go, how many know you're kind of at a standstill? You know, you're fighting that like they they want to, okay, no, we're, okay. See, this is what happens in life. There's there's times where you just get at a standstill. The same thing happens, you ever been with a group of people and you're all sitting like, hey, let's go grab something to eat and then you've got to decide where you're going to go out to eat? Ever had that happen before? Okay, me and Amber... Can have a problem just the two of us. We'll sit for a half hour like, I don't know, where do you want to go? I don't know, where do you want to go? Right? Right? And you just kind of get at a standstill. Right? See, this is what happens to a church. If we all come into this body together and we all got a different direction, a different idea of where we're headed, we just, we can be at a standstill. And I don't think that's what God's desire for us as a body is. And so the reason we have a Vision Sunday like this is that we can all have a common direction that we are facing. That we all say, this is what we're about. We know where we're headed. We know where we're going, and we're going to do it together. Jesus prayed one thing over the church. What did he say? The Father, that they would be One. As you and I are one, that we would be one, and that's the desire for this body, is that we're not fighting with each other, fighting different direction, and we're saying, God, we are are all heading the same direction in unity. So today, we're going to do two things. First, we're going to go back to the core of what we're about as a church, to remind ourselves this is what we're about. But secondly, we're going to talk about where are we heading specifically in 2020. And if you're new or newer to our church, or this is your first time, I think this is an awesome Sunday to be here. Because if, if you were, if I was you, here's what I'd be thinking. I'd be like, do I want to be a part of this? At the end of this message, you're going to know either, I want to be a part of this church, or like, I want nothing to do with this church. Okay, I'm going to make it clear, this is what we're about. It'll either connect with your heart or it won't. But if this is your church, if you say, this is my home, then I want to challenge you to step in, to lean in, that we would walk together. Today we would walk out of these doors in unity together. All right? If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter two. Acts chapter two, beginning of verse number 42. Around here, if you are new, you realize this. I don't get up and preach my ideas. We don't give our ideas. We open the Word of God every week and say, what does God have to say to us? So if you ever forget a Bible, we think it's important to have them. There's Bibles at the back of the room. If you don't own a Bible, it's our gift to you. Take one with you out the door. We want you to have a Bible, all right? Would you stand with me? It's our tradition around here, just to honor God's Word. Acts chapter 2, beginning of verse number 42, says this. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you do want to speak to us individually. But Father, you also want to speak to us corporately. God, you want to lead us in unity together. And so God, I'm asking this morning that you would knit our hearts together. Father, this isn't my ideas. God, you are the ultimate leader of this church. And so God, I'm asking that you would lead us all under your common vision, God, What you have called us to as a church And Lord, we'd walk out of this place in perfect unity. We play that in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. You can be seated. Cool. Well, this passage that we just read, a couple verses, it's really the earliest description that we have of the New Testament church, right? Just before this, if you follow along, if you know scripture at all, we, we hear the story of Jesus, and Jesus coming to earth, and his teaching, and his miracles, and, and then he goes to a cross, he, he raises again, and then he's about 40 days, he's hanging out with, with people, and then he ascends into heaven, and there's, after all of this, there's about 120 believers. There's this group of believers, and it says they're waiting, and the Holy Spirit comes down, and in one day, Peter goes out, and he preaches kind of the first salvation message, and 3,000 people come to faith, Right? It's an exciting time, and suddenly, we got a church. We got this church moving, right? But what does this word church really mean? This word church, we talk about this uh, back in May. We had this series, Don't Go to Church. And we say the word church is confusing to us, because when we think about ch- church, what do we think about? A building, or we think about an hour on Sunday, or we think about somewhere that we go, but that's not what church is. The word. How many you remember what the word in Greek is for church? Anybody remember? Ecclesia, ecclesia up there all right? Ecclesia, this word ecclesia, it doesn't mean a building. It doesn't mean an hour on Sunday. It doesn't mean a place you go. What is an ecclesia? An ecclesia literally means a gathering of people for a purpose. Like, we're heading somewhere together, and here's this gathering, right? And so when we talk about the church or the ecclesia of God, what does that mean? It is a movement of God's people for a purpose. We are heading somewhere. And see, on this day when 3,000 people come to faith, that movement started moving. There was this movement that started to happen. And then we get to this description right here. This, this story of they devoted themselves. What? This, this picture that we get, we just read it, it's this relationship, it's this sense of a community, people caring for one another, loving one another, seeing a need and saying, you know what, I'm going to give sacrificially for another person. You know, we're going we're to ha- meet not just in this building, we're going to meet in homes, we're going to care for one another outside of these walls. That's the picture that we get. It's a beautiful picture. You know, it's not the kind of thing we see very often in our world, right? We don't see people caring for each other like that. We don't people sacrificing for one another like that very often. The problem is we're we're all Westerners, right? And we Westerners we really like a verse at the end of this passage. And what was the last sentence that I read? And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You see, us West- Westerners we love that. Yeah, yeah. This is like a boom in church. This is like the place everybody wanted to be at this place. You know. It's going. Why? Because us Westerners, we love things we can measure, right? How many of you are uh, competitive? Anybody competitive out there? Okay, some of you competitive? Okay, I'm competitive. Amber is super competitive. We, in our home, we don't play a lot of games because we're all competitive, and like one of our children will be crying underneath of a chair before this game's over. And sometimes I'm crying underneath of a chair before the game's over, because we're just, we're just going at it, Right? And I find it humorous because uh, my kids are in sports, and when kids are younger in sports, you know that they don't keep score always. You know what I'm saying? They don't keep score. How many of you know the kids are still keeping score? <laughs> <laughs> like, they don't keep score. My kid walks off, we won. I'm like, how did you know there wasn't a score? I kept it in my head. I'm like, of course you did. Why? Because we want to know that we're winning, right? We want to know that something has happened, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? The problem is when that mentality creeps into a church, and we begin to say, oh, we can measure it with a number. A a number represents success. Oh, it could, but that's not what this passage is focused on. We just read it. Oh, yeah, the, the Lord was adding to their number daily, but the focus is the community, the focus is this group of believers who are caring for one another, who are loving one another, who are serving one another, who are giving, right? That's the focus of this passage. As they did that, God added to their number daily those who are being saved, all right? And it just strikes me how this description is so different than how we oftentimes talk about churches, okay? When we talk about churches, oh man, that's the happening place. Everybody wants to go to that place, Right? Why? I don't know. That's just where everybody wants to go. Right? We we talk about that church. Oh, they got a killer worship team at that church. Well oh, they got a super, oh man, that preacher, he's so good. He's so he's an inspiring preacher. They got it at that place. Or we'll say things like, man, they got great coffee and it's free. Awesome. Or this church, they got the killer kids ministry. That's real. Or this church, they got the outreach minute. They got that going on. And listen, listen, I love all that kind of stuff. And I hope we do that kind of stuff well. And we're going to keep pushing it, the excellence, because God deserves our absolute best as a church. But listen to me. At the end of the day, if people are talking more about what we do rather than who we are, we have missed it somewhere. Okay? We are called to be something. All right? I'm a strategy guy, right? I love thinking strategy. I love strategizing, figuring stuff out. And we're going to use everything at our disposal for the sake of reaching those who are far from God. But hear this. You see this on the screens. Our primary goal isn't to do something, but to be something. That is what we are called to be. Are we passionate about reaching the lost? Absolutely. Are we going to work really, really hard? Absolutely. Will we do anything and everything to reach those who don't know Jesus? Yes. Will we sacrifice our own preferences for the sake of those who are far from God? Yes. But at the end of the day, all those things don't really, uh, just doing those things doesn't mean you have a church. You could do all that stuff. We could sacrifice. We could do a lot of things and not have a church. It could just be a really nice preaching center. It could be a nice project center, a service project church. It could be a lot of those things. Listen, God didn't come for just a a group of people to randomly show up in a room together. He has called a people who are a community who love and serve and care for one another. And that's what we're called to be. Our primary goal isn't to do something. It's to be something. Now, this has been The story ever since Amber and I, and the focus ever since Amber and I stepped in. If you're newer around here, you may not realize, Amber and I, uh, we just stepped in on Palm Sunday. That was our first Sunday here as a part of this church. And we are just so blessed that we get to lead and be a part of such a great community here. But when we stepped in, if you remember back, those who were here, you remember, we didn't walk in with a strategy plan. We didn't walk in and tell you, here's all what we're going to do. We walked in and said, this is the type of church we're going to be. This is the type of culture we're going to have around here, okay? These are the things we're going to value. These are what are going to be most important to us. That's how we've led, right? So what is that? If you are newer, you maybe not have heard some of these. things. If you have, this is going to be hopefully a refresher of what we're about as a church. But before we even stepped in to lead this church, God put some things on my heart. I mean, it was almost a year ago now that started to burst some things in my heart for this community. And it began with a name. This name, Zoe Church. If you're new, you're like, I was wondering, I thought it was a five-year-old girl, Zoe. (laughs) Okay, no, no, it's not. (laughs) Zoe is how we pronounce it, okay? And there's a reason. Uh, It isn't just some, you know, cool name that we came up with. No, this word Zoe, some of you know what it means. It means life, It's the Greek word life when you look in the New Testament. And it's not just any ordinary kind of life. It's not just the fact that you're not dead. It is the overwhelming, abundant, complete, absolute fullness of life that only comes through Jesus. That's that kind of life. It's the verse that God had put on my heart, John 10, 10, that says this. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come, Jesus says this, I have come that they may have life that they may have zoe and have it to the full. And that is the the call, that is what I felt God say, this is what's gonna happen here. And you know what's been so awesome around this church? Is the amount of people that come in for the very first time and the literal words out of their mouth is, it just feels alive. There just feels like there's a life here. And I say, God, thank you. That this isn't something we've manufactured. It is something you have said, I'm gonna do it. And then you did it. <laughs> and you're, you're creating a culture and an atmosphere here that is hopefully God-breathed, that is something that, that is enticing to a world that is desperately. Listen, people are sucking on the, the, the well of every other thing out there. And we're saying, listen, there's only life in Christ. right? That's the core of what we're about. But, but we also have talked about three things around here. We said there's three values that we're gonna talk about as a church that we're gonna lean into that are gonna define what our culture is like. If you got your sermon notes, I want you to pull them out. These are the things I want you to write down for some of you. Like I said, these are a refresher. For others of you, this may be the first time you hear this, all right? There's three things that we're gonna lean into. Three statements. The first one is this. We are gospel-centered. And that isn't spelled right. (laughs) Who types those in? whoops. (laughs) (laughs) Centered. Those online don't know what we're talking about. It's funny, but whatever. Okay. We are gospel centered. Okay. We're gospel centered. (laughs) Oh, praise God. All right. Just, just, Just killing it up here today, guys. Okay, anybody out there a little OCD? Anybody a little OCD? some got something in there? Like, yeah, you're pointing. The spouses are pointing. I can be a little OCD. When it comes to, when I walk into people's houses and I see pictures hanging on the wall and they're like, eh, and I'm just like, eh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know, or you see a wall and it's like, it's like not in the middle of the wall. I'm like, this is, what are you doing to me, folks? <laughs> like, you know, because what you choose to center affects everything. And around here, we have chosen that we are not centered on preaching. We're not centered on singing. We're not centered on a religious system. We're not centered on a system of rituals. We're not even just centered on the Bible because there are people who say they're centered on the Bible and miss what it's about. We are centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the center of who we are. We look for the gospel in everything. We look, how can we live out this gospel? The hope of the world is Jesus Christ. It is the word made flesh. That is our hope. And that is what we center on. Everything we do, every song we sing, every word we speak, everything we do in our kids area, everything we do with our youth, it's about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, I don't want you to just be good church people. I don't really care. I don't want our kids to just be good church kids. I want them grounded in the gospel and the hope of Jesus. I want them a faith that is sure, that will endure, that will last. That is what we are about. And this church will never, if I ever, if we ever as a church get off course, you better come talk to me. You better say, Greg, get your business together because that is our hope. That is what we are centered on as a church. Okay? The gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the good news. This word gospel, what is it? It means good news. This is good news, folks. If we start sounding like bad news, then we've missed it. This is good news. What Jesus has done for us, what God is doing in the world through Christ. It's a beautiful thing. It's the first thing we are going to center on. Second thing is this. So we embrace the struggle. You've heard me say this before. We embrace the struggle. A lot of people, even though they've heard it, they say, okay, what does that mean again, right? We First off, we say this, we embrace the struggle of life. I mean, you will know, life isn't perfect always. You go through tough times. We go through tough seasons, and I've said this before, but unfortunately in the church too often, we build a culture that says, you better fake it when you walk in the door. Like, you don't bring that stuff here. Don't talk about the stuff you're struggling with. Don't talk about your challenges. Just keep that to yourself. Just put a mask on, say hallelujah, and walk around like everything's okay. That's garbage. We're not going to do that here. Okay? It isn't unspiritual to be honest about your struggles. (laughs) Because Jesus, you know what he said? I say this a lot. Jesus said, in this world you will have troubles. Okay. Cool. We'll have troubles. All right. Let's be honest about it. Let's not fake it. Because here's what happens is we are honest. If we're willing to embrace the struggles that we face in our life, If we can embrace those things, we create a culture that allows other people to do the same thing. We can take the masks off and we can actually be human beings who are attempting to follow Christ in a real and an authentic way, right? But we also create an environment that says people can come from the outside and walk in and they realize, you know what? These aren't a bunch of plastic fakes. These are a bunch of people just like me who've only been saved and redeemed by Jesus. That's the culture we're going to have. But it's not just embracing the struggle of life. It's embracing the struggle of faith, Because faith isn't always easy. Faith doesn't always go the way that you plan. Sometimes in life, you're going along and everything's all perfect. And, like, I got my theology and I'm feeling great. And all of a sudden, something hits you and you're like, what in the world is that? I don't get it. And if we're not careful, we build cultures in churches that say, well, you're not, don't bring that question. Like, don't, that's, mm, don't talk about that one. That's led to, and people feel this need, like, well, I guess I'm going to have to leave the church for a while so I can figure stuff out. Listen, I don't want that for any of you. I want this to be a safe place where when you hit the hard seasons, and we're all going to, when you have the questions, we're all going to have them at times in life, that this is a place where you can wrestle those questions. You can say, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I believe on this thing. Guess what? God is big enough to deal with your questions, to take your questions. He will lovingly walk through you, and we as a community are going to do the same thing. Listen, embracing the struggle isn't an action of our church. It is the attitude of our church, Okay? It is the attitude that says, listen, it isn't always going to be clean and easy, but it's going to be authentic, it's going to be real, and we're going to pursue Christ in a real way, right? We're going to embrace the struggle. The third thing we say this is this, we are the church. We don't do church, we don't go to church, we are the church, right? We are the church. We are this movement. We better get our butts moving sometimes, right? Like, we are this movement, What does that mean? It means we are the church for one another. So we are this community caring for one another. It isn't about showing up to a gathering. It's saying, how can we be a community? Like that picture we have there of people loving one another, serving, lifting one another up, encouraging one another, right? Right? That's what we're called to be. But also that we are going to be the church to this community. That this community knows that we exist. Not simply because we got a few cars showing up to a building on Sunday. But because we are bringing the hope of Jesus to our blocks. To our work. To our schools. Wherever we're at. To this community. This city knows we exist because we have leaned in. And we have served. And we have loved. That's what it means to be the church. And so around here over the last... Eight months or so, we've leaned in and said, hey, this is the type of church that we're going to be. We have focused on being, and we have seen God do some awesome things in our church over these last eight months. I, I think back in, about the culture. We talk about just the culture change. You know, I'm new, so I don't really know much different. I, I watch what God is doing, but what I love is talking to people who've been a part of this church for a period of time saying, man, God has totally transformed some things. He's renewed some things. He's released something around here. And that's so exciting for me to hear what he has been doing around this church. But it's also been amazing to see how we've had an explosion of people walking in these doors for the very first time. This fall, uh, we've had 100 a, a either individuals or entire families walk through these doors on a Sunday morning for the very first time. It's, it's amazing how people are stepping in these doors and experiencing the hope of Jesus. That's 75 kids. We've had 75 kids, fifth grade and under, walk through these doors for the very first time this fall. That's crazy. It's going to it's get dirty around here, guys. That's cool. I'm cool with that, right? It's been cool to watch it happen. And why does that happen? Partially happens because you guys have been faithful to invite. You've been faithful to say, God, I'm not going to keep this good news to myself. I'm going to allow others to come and be a part of that. And i want to challenge you to continue doing that. Continue inviting. May this be a place of life for people who are experiencing death, right? But it's more than that because God has been doing works that are outside of our control. Because I've heard multiple stories of people just simply walking down the block and saying, I don't know what, I feel compelled to come in here. We've had people driving by the building feeling compelled to come in and receive the hope. It's just crazy how people have found their way into this building. It's evident that God is at work. We have been faithful being. God has been doing around here. It's awesome, right? We've seen a huge infusion of young families and young adults who stepped in this. Last Sunday alone, it's not just like a one-time No, Last week, I had five first-time visitor cards. All five of them were between the age of 20 and 32 or 33, Right? And they're the, only half the people that show up ever fill out a card. So whatever. I don't know. There's more. But it's cool to watch. On Sundays, if you, if you haven't been around here on a Sunday uh, after service, just stick around for a little while. This room turns into like a playground for two and three-year-old children, okay? You know these little cards we have in the back of the seats? They're everywhere when service is over with. I mean, there might be 10, 15, 20 kids running around here. And guess what? I don't care. I'll pick up cards every day of the week if it means this is a community where we are reaching young people and reaching young families with the hope of Jesus, right? It's not about keeping a building tidy. It's about people. This is about people, right? And I said this about a month and a half ago, and again, we are not about numbers, but we share numbers because it inspires faith. In this past fall, we averaged 305 in attendance since we launched in September. Now you'd say, I don't have a reference point. One year ago, that's a 70% increase over one year ago in the fall. And God is continuing to bring people here. And we're hoping that that will continue to happen, not because we want to have a big church, but because there are lost people in our community that don't know Jesus. And we desire them to come to faith in Christ, right? So this is what God has been up to around our church. Uh, But the question is, okay, well, where are we going to point here in 2020? What's the the focus here for this next year? And that's what I want to take the last few moments of our time together to talk about. We're going to lean in this year, that last statement, we are the church, that's kind of the thing that we're going to lean into this year, and there's three things that I I want to kind of bring up to you. The first one is this, is that we are going to grow in community this year. We're going to grow deeper in community this year. We've had an amazing experience of relationships forming and creating opportunities, things like our our Wednesday night sessions, which, like Amber said, make sure you get signed up if you're not jumping in this one. It's going to be a great time for you to be able to build relationships to get to know some other people. Uh, But we want to go even deeper in our relationships than that. And so this March, we're going to be launching additional small group experiences and launching more groups that are ongoing community for the sake of building relationships. Because my goal and our goal for this church, I don't want anybody walking in the door and, and looking around like, I don't know anybody. My goal is that every single person around here would be connected to someone else, that you'd have a relationship. That you would know someone, that you wouldn't just be a number, that you wouldn't feel like you're just lost in the crowd, but you would have connection. And so we're going to create more and more opportunities for that because we know Wednesdays isn't always an option for everyone. And so know that is coming. And so this March, we're going to be looking at that. And I know this, for some of you, you're excited because you're like, oh, I need some deeper relationship. That would be great. Others of you, you know that, that God has gifted you to lead small groups like that. I'm going to just encourage you over the next several weeks as we talk about that to take a step forward and say, I want to lean into that. I want to be a part of that. Our hope is that every single, there would be pockets of connection all over this congregation, right? That we would truly be community for one another. And so that's one of the things we're going to lean into in this next year. The second thing that we're going to lean into this year is that we're going to serve our community. And that means going outside of these walls. Now, some of you know, we already do that around here. How many of you ever heard of Market Day around here? Some of you do, okay. Market Day is a ministry that we have around here, if you, if you aren't aware, happens the, the third Wednesday of every month, all right? And what we do is food is able to come in and we do food distribution to people in our community that are in need. And so we have a group of volunteers that come between 10 and 11 on that third Wednesday every month and they volunteer and they're putting food together and packing things and getting stuff ready. And then at one o'clock, people from our community can come and receive food for free to be able to help them and their families. And so some of you would say, man, I, I want to engage in that. So just know that this Wednesday, if you want to volunteer, you're welcome to come. About 10 or 11 o'clock, you can come, get, get, be a part of things. You can serve and be a part of those things. But I would say this, if you're in our church and you're struggling, like you need food, come. Allow us to serve you. That's the greatest priv- privilege that we have, is to be able to serve one another that way, okay? So we do some stuff in our community. We are already active, but we're going to step up another level in, in the way that we engage in our community. I'm going to be challenge us throughout the year how we engage in our neighborhoods, how we engage on the job and at school. But we're also going to look for opportunities within our community, ways that we can support and connect with ministries that are already taking place to lift up our community. Our hope and our promise when we met with the mayor back in July was to say, we want this community to be better because we're here. We want this community to be lifted up. How can we come under the arms of our mayor and say we're going to serve people in this? And so there's two different ministries that, that we're already working on relationships with. One of those is called Cornerstone. Cornerstone is a ministry that reaches women who are in challenged circumstances, oftentimes domestic challenges, and, and it's an opportunity for women to come alongside other women to lift them up and encourage them and serve them, and so that's something that we're going to be doing here in our community. Something else, and this is one I'm, I'm just super jacked up about, is a ministry called Together for Good. How many of you ever heard of Together for Good? Not many, good. It's one of the, I think it's one of the greatest ministries that's out there and it's a way that we can meet a serious and fundamental need right here in our community. You may not be aware of this, but our foster care system is very challenged and the statistics for those who get put into foster care is a a difficult one, all right? And so what can happen is you and I, let's say we've got relationships and I hit a crisis circumstance, I've got people in my life who can support me and help me, right? I'm gonna be okay, But there are people in our community, there are single moms, there are people who, in in tough situations who don't have anyone around them. And when they hit a crisis circumstance, you know what happens? The professionals come in and they take their children. And and, uh, Together for Good is a Christian woman here in our community. She lives in Lakeville and she started this ministry in our city. And it's a... The goal is to take people like us who are a part of the community and say, rather than just, just letting that happen, say, no, we are going to be a part of the solution as a church. We're going to come around and we are going to be that connection point for this person who is by themselves. We are going to come around them in that crisis moment so that rather than having their children taken away, we can actually walk through that circumstance and the family can be better off and we can actually be serving the widows and the orphans like we've been told to, okay? And so that's what together for good. And so just know this. We're going to lean into this ministry. And it's going to be one of those embrace the struggle kind of ministries. It ain't always going to be easy, but it's the exact kind of ministry I believe Jesus would call us to do. Okay? To be a part of. And so that's something we're going to be leaning into this year. Serving in our community. All right? Uh, The last thing that we're going to lean into this year is we're going to give generously. We're going to give generously generously, and we're going to do that primarily through our kingdom builders. And we talked about Kingdom Builders uh, back in November. Amber referenced that earlier in November. We had uh, Ryan Skook here and shared about one of the things that we're going to be doing through Kingdom Builders. But some of you are looking at me like, I have no idea what you're talking about right now. So let me explain a little bit. You have to understand our finances if you're going to understand what this means. Uh, around here, there are basically two buckets that money comes in. Okay? One of those buckets is in our tithes and offerings. Right? The other is Kingdom Builders. For tithes and offerings, that is what our general fund of our church operates. We challenge people who are a part of our church that they would tithe. Uh, what is a tithe? The tithe literally means 10%. If you missed uh, some of the teachings that we did, we did a series, Jesus Talks Money, just about a month and a half ago. Talked about some of those things. Uh, But we challenge the people to take the step of tithing, putting God first in our finances and bringing first. And with that tithe and offering, what comes in that category is what goes to the normal operations of our church. It goes to buildings and salaries and uh, the majority of our missions, missionaries that we support come out of that fund. And, And so many of the things, just the practical things, unlike other denominations, we don't get money from some other revenue stream. You know, we're not getting it from the denomination. Everything that we do as a church comes from what we as a body give. That's how it works for us, all right? And so we challenge people to do that, and, and I encourage some of you that, that this may be the year for you to step up. Maybe you're, you're all right. We have so many faithful tithers around here, but I would encourage some of you, maybe this is, this is the year for you to step up, or, or it may be the year for some of you you've never given before. That I use this phrase, premeditated, consistent giving, Right? You say, rather than just whenever I want to, I say, you know what, I'm going to premeditate. I'm going to plan this, and it's going to be consistent. Maybe it's the first five bucks every time I get paid, I'm going to give. I don't care what it is. To begin that pattern of saying, God, I want to be generous. But that's one pool, okay? And that's a pool we have already uh, stepped in that way. But the other way... That we give and the other bucket is this kingdom builders and kingdom builders is above and beyond if I'm already at the point of tithing now I want to I want to go beyond that I want to be generous extravagantly generous that's what kingdom builders is all about to say God I want to give more. I want to help. And so what we do through Kingdom Builders, you'll notice uh, there's a little flyer that was on your seats, uh, every other seat when you came in, talks a little bit about Kingdom Builders. You can read this information, but there's different projects that we engage in and things that we do for global missions, local ministry, and future leaders. It's a way for us to say, hey, we want to come alongside some things happening in the world, and we want to give toward it. How many know in America we're blessed? And there are places around the world that, that need us to, to be a part of it, to be the church, not just here, but all around the world, and to invest in things happening around the world. So I don't have time to get into all of this, uh, but I want to do specify one of the projects uh, that we're leaning into this year. You'll notice under Global Missions, one of the big things we're doing is this working with Venture, uh, which is an organization. They work in some of the darkest places of the world. Places where there is virtually no gospel witness, and they go into those places and they meet practical needs, and then bring the hope of Jesus there. And so we are partnering with Venture to put in a border patrol station on the border of Nepal. Here's what's happening: They are taking and an, uh, taking girls out of Nepal and trafficking them across the borders uh, into Burma and into India and selling them into sex trafficking at the ages of four, five, six, seven, eight. These girls are in horrible circumstances, right? But what they are beginning to do, Venture is starting to work with people in their country to uh, set up these border patrol stations, which is a checkpoint. So anybody who wants to traffic a girl across the border has to go through this checkpoint. What we are going to do is we are going to fund one of those border patrol stations, which means when they try to traffic a girl, they rescue a girl, they rehabilitate the girl, here's where it gets fun. Then they disciple the girl, and then they send them off to plant churches within the nation. These girls, who once were gonna be the story of Horrid, are now the ones bringing the gospel to their own nation. And we're gonna be a part, as a church, of setting up one of those things. This last year, one of the border patrol stations was able to rescue out somewhere around 1,000 girls out of this. Those are 1,000 girls who are destined to a life that none of us could imagine. And now they are actually bringing the gospel in the of Jesus to their own nation. And that's what we're going to do, the type of stuff we're doing through Kingdom Builders. And so uh, I I give you this card here this morning that this year my goal is that every one of us would give generously. That we would go the contrary of what our nation is about, which like it's all about me. Instead we would say, no God, it's all about your kingdom. Like what can we do to invest in eternal things that actually matter? So for some of you, uh, this Form out here. You'll notice the backside of it. There's two little check boxes. For some of you, the first step that you're going to take is just simply, God, am I ready to take the step to tithe? I don't want to know what that is. You don't need to write that amount down here. I don't. I don't want any of that. Just to say, God, is that a step you'd be calling me to this year? And if that's something, I would encourage you, just as a step of faith, to say, God, I want to operate in faith this year. I don't want to just operate as I always have. I want to take a step of faith. That might be for you to check this this day. But for others of you, you would say, man, I'm already a tither. I already give that way. I want to go above and beyond. I want to take that next step. That's what we have this, in addition to tithing, I commit to give the Ebola amount. This is not a pledge, okay? Nobody's checking up on you on this thing. This is between you and God, and we're only taking the overall number so we have an understanding of how much money we may be having to work with. But it is saying, God, as you provide, I'm going to take a step of faith, and I'm going to give extravagantly this year right? And so we've already had, we took pledges on these. We've already have over $25,000 pledged toward this this next year, okay, and committed to this. And so I would encourage you to take this. Some of you, God's already stirred something in your heart, but you haven't turned a card in. I would encourage you today to fill this out. To write down what are you going to give above and beyond your tithe this year toward Kingdom Builders. Our our, uh, ushers will be at the doors on your way out today with their buckets. Just if you feel ready to fill this out, do that. Drop it in the offering bucket. If you're not ready to write that in, I would encourage you to take this with you. And over the next two weeks, just pray about it. The next two Sundays, we're going to call for these again. We're going to remind you about this, and I'm going to encourage you to just drop it off in the offering bucket when it goes by over the next couple weeks, and I think as we are all faithful, we're going to see God do something amazing through our church, okay? So these are the things, but it's easy, I don't know if you're jaded like I am, you look at this and you said, well, it seems like we're going to do a lot this year, Greg. <laughs> you said it's not about the doing, it's about the being. Well, here's what I feel. I don't, I don't think we're going to, we're not doing groups this year, okay? Our goal is that we would be in community, We're not gonna just people who check boxes and do service projects this year. My desire is that we would be people who are active and serving and caring for other people. And that we don't just do fundraising around here because there's a project we wanna give money to. No, no, that we would be generous people. That we would build attitudes of generosity within our hearts. That's my prayer for this place. And so I wanna wrap up with our big so what uh, this morning. And uh, it's very simple for uh, this morning and it's simply this, if we will be, God will do. If we will be, God will do. If we will be the people he's called us to be, if we will serve and give and and live in such a way that we say, God, we want to be all that you have called us to be, I believe that God said, I will do things amongst you. I will work in that story. I will work in that relationship. I will work in your home. I will work on your block. I will do what you can't imagine. Question, will you be faithful to be the people I've called you to be? Just imagine what would happen in our church if we would all get a hold of this. If as a church we would truly be gospel-centered in the way we operate that we would put Christ first in everything, that we would seek to live for the gospel in our finances, in the way we speak, in the way we care for one another, in the way we love one another, in the way we treat one another, that we would be gospel-centered. What would our church look like? What would our church look like if all of us committed to embracing the struggle? We didn't fake it. We didn't pretend like everything was okay. No, we were honest about it. We created that culture that was safe. What kind of a picture would that give to the world around us? If we would actually act like the church, if we would be the church, not just show up and check our boxes on Sunday, but truly be the church right here and in our community. What would happen in our world? I just think that God wants to do amazing things. The question simply is, will we engage? Will we lean in? Will we say, God, this isn't just for those people. This is for me. And I truly believe this year, for some of you, this is going to be the first year you say, you know what, I'm going to engage I'm not going to passively sit back and watch what everybody else is doing. God, I am gonna, I'm going to become that type of person as well. I'm going to lean in. I'm going to be the kind of person that, that is surrendered to you in every area, that is giving to you in every area, and I'm going to watch you do the miraculous. In situations that I, I don't even understand, God, I'm going to watch you at work. I got this email about a month ago. And uh, this is one of the coolest emails that I've gotten in a long time. And this was somebody it comes from Anonymous. So somebody, they don't go to our church, um, but they, something happened to them, and they felt compelled that they needed to write me about it. And here's what it says. It says, Greetings, I'm writing on behalf of myself and my family. My husband is a military veteran who sustained injuries during his 20 years of service that have left him disabled. Most recently, members of your congregation saw a video about this on CNN and felt compelled to engage. These two women embody all that Zoe is. What I love is this woman doesn't go to our church, so obviously she went creeping on our website. (laughs) Here's what it says. These two women embody all that Zoe is. They embraced my struggles as a caregiver, mother, and offered support rather than shame. They are the most loving, compassionate, and selfless people I have ever met. They took all of who I am into consideration, were able to bless me with an abundance of gifts gifts that supported my creativity, my self-care and relaxation, anxiety support, as well as some other fun things. As military spouses, they understood the need that we face. These women proudly donned the Zoe logo on their sweatshirts and radiated their love for God. They were empowering, encouraging, and so gracious. Thank you for guiding them in the gospel and for all you do within the Burnsville community. See, this wasn't because people saw a box to check and said, I should go do a thing. No, they said, God, I want to live out. I want to be your hands and feet. I want to care for somebody. And I believe as all of us would take this on, man, these are the kind of stories that are going to be a regular occurrence around here. we say, God, we just want to be your church. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. Thanks for being patient with me this morning. I know it took a little longer to get through things, but I, I just felt God wanted to speak some things to us. You know, around here, uh, at the end of this message, it's great. Okay, cool, you're, you're gonna do a lot of stuff, Greg. At the end of the day, it all comes down to whether or not we say, God, I'm yours, you can use me. <laughs> if we're not willing to say that, then nothing ever changes. We're, we're not gonna be any different than we are yesterday, right? But I believe that God wants to do a new work. And so this morning, my prayer is that we'd all step into this and say, God, I'm not only yours individually, I am yours corporately as a part of this body, that there is greater things that you can do in our body than you can do just through me alone. And so I want to come to a place of surrender. And if you are here this morning and you say, "Man, God, this is where I'm at. I want to be yours. I just, I want you just to take a simple act and just put your hands forward and say, God, I'm yours. God, I'm yours. I want to be used by you, God. I want to pray over you. God, I thank you so much. Father, that you have called us. You have desired us to be involved. God, we live in a world that desires to do things that matter, and you've called us and invite us to do something that matters, to be a part of something that matters, the kingdom of God, but not just the kingdom at large, but right here in this city, right here at Zoe Church, you've invited us to be a part of something awesome. And so God, my prayer for us as a body is that we would truly function like a body, that we wouldn't be a bunch of an individuals that sit in a room together, but we would be a group of people who care for one another, who love one another, who serve together, who who impact this world together. And God, I pray that your name would be glorified as we stay submitted to you, Jesus. God, we ask that you would be lifted up. That you would be glorified in this church. That you would be glorified in how we live. You would be glorified in how we speak. And God, I pray one year from today, we would be celebrating and singing the praises of what you have done through our church. How you have worked. How you have done the miraculous. How you have broken strongholds. How you have set people free. How you have freed marriages. How you have healed bodies. How you have brought people who are far from God near to him. How you have rescued and saved family members and children and parents who don't know you, God. God, I pray that you would do the miraculous, Lord. We're asking you to do what only you can do, Father. We thank you for it, God. We praise your name, Jesus. We praise your name, Jesus.